1: A week of programs to get our thinking right for the new year, Colin. You were saying yesterday that you're anticipating in 2010, the church must wake up, it must be aware of deception. You're saying that we have to believe that we, as the people of God, must see a spiritual shift in our nation, and this is going to be a real challenge to the church. And you ended yesterday's program by saying that we Christians have to believe, we have to proclaim, we have to live God's word.
0: And you know when when I was told by the Lord to do this new translation of the New Testament, the truth New Testament, my first question to the Lord was, "Well why I mean, Lord, just explain, please why you want me to do this and And he said to me that you know there'd been other translations done by scholars that were very accurate, but what he needed was... Um, a, a, a version that brought out the meaning of the words. Because unless people understand the word, they will not put the word into practice in their lives. They will not live the word. And this helped me to, to realize how true it is that there are so many, even in the evangelical stroke, charismatic stroke, Pentecostal world, who know the word of God, very conversant with the word of God, but don't necessarily express that word in the way they live, in the way they relate, in the things that they do. And I believe the big challenge now is is not just to see signs and wonders and miracles and healings and things like that. Yes, there's a place for all those things, but we actually have to live out uh, the teaching of Jesus and of the rest of the New Testament. Let me give you an example. Jesus says, do not judge, or you will be judged. And with the same judgment with which you judge others, you will be judged. Now, Jesus was sent by the Father to die upon the cross to save us from the judgment that we deserve. How crazy then to put ourselves back under judgment because we judge others. And when you look at Uh, parables such as the parable of the unmerciful servant, where because he was refusing to forgive his fellow servant, he had all the debt that he owed restored to him. In other words, the mercy that that his master had shown him was withdrawn, and he was thrown into prison where he was to be tortured, and this is what Jesus says, uh, until the debt was paid in full. In other words, his unwillingness to forgive his brother put him back under condemnation under judgment uh, because he had not failed uh, because he had failed rather to forgive and because he was therefore judging placed himself back under judgment placed himself back under condemnation now if we really believe the teaching of jesus that if we forgive our brother, we will be forgiven, but if we do not forgive, then God will not forgive us. Then we will be very quick to forgive others, and we wouldn't stand in judgment upon others. And yet, as I, as I look around, as I have contact with many church leaders and pastors all over this country and beyond... So many of the problems that the church is facing comes out of the way that Christians are judging one another, they're refusing to forgive, uh, there's all kinds of deception gets in through the pride and self-righteousness that afflicts some people, which allows wrong spirits into the church, all because of this judging of one another and this refusal to forgive that comes out of that pride and self-righteousness. So, you know, I can, I can see uh, how desperately important it is if we are to proclaim to the world a gospel that delivers people from the judgment that they deserve, brings them into the glorious liberty of the sons of God, then we have got to live in that freedom that where the Spirit of God is operating, there will be freedom, not judgment, not a refusal to forgive one another. At the same time, the Scripture also teaches us that without faith it is impossible to please God. And one of the things that uh, I see again and again and again is how churches, church leaders, are depending upon reason, are trying to work their way uh, through the, the kinds of challenges that arise, the problems that they have to face with rational thinking instead of understanding that the gospel is a supernatural gospel, that the Holy Spirit who lives within us is the supernatural spirit of the supernatural God, that the kingdom to which we belong is a supernatural kingdom. And we can't expect to really see the kingdom of God extended and, and the body of Christ, which is a supernatural body of natural people. We cannot see the purposes of God fulfilled if we're simply going to depend upon our own rational thinking and powers and abilities. That just makes us like another worldly organization of which there are already so many. So, we've got to I believe be true to our call, to be what we are, the people of God, the people of the Spirit, the people of the word of God, a people of faith, a people who demonstrate the love of God in action. And I'm I'm not being negative. I'm aware of how many great and wonderful and good things go on within churches, but you know, we've just got to step up to another level. And and the only way to do that is to see that there has to be a refining, a culling out of, of the life of the church, those things that stand in opposition to the truth and in opposition to the purposes of God. We've got to get rid of this judgment. We've, we've, we've got to really see the mercy of God being extended among believers. We, we, we've got to face the, the pride and the self-righteousness that exists in, in many areas. It's got to come out of the church. We we cannot be the people of God as He intends while these things are going on. We've got to face where there is unbelief instead of faith and trust and confidence in God. We we've got to we've got to see where we trust to the soul rather than to the Spirit, where we trust in ourselves rather than than the Lord. And I'm not just having a rant here. All this comes out of a deep, deep desire and concern to see God glorified in our lives personally, in his church, in the nation, that we really fulfill our call to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus again, because he's not going to come for a weak church that has no influence. He is going to come for a bride that is prepared for his coming. He is going to come for a a holy people that are really living out his teaching and are ready to welcome him. And you know, there's that very strange question, really, in Scripture, that when he comes again, will Jesus find faith on the earth? I mean, what a question. If Jesus was to come again now, In how many churches would he really find faith? Faith of the kind that Jesus speaks of and teaches about in the New Testament. Of course, to everyone is given a measure of faith, so it isn't that we don't have faith. But where is the faith to believe that we can be the people God has called us to be? That we can do what God has called us to do and that we can really be those that make a difference in the sense that through the influence of God's people, the tide, the spiritual tide in the nations can turn and be transformed. That instead of the decline we're witnessing at present, we can see a real impacting of our society by the values of God's
1: kingdom. Colin, you're speaking with passion on these programs and there may be some church leaders listening to these programs, but by and large, our audience is individual Christians in their car or at home on their own. Are you saying that one person who is judging another has an effect on a church?
0: Oh, definitely. Very, very definitely. You see, we are a body and every church is an expression, a local expression of the body of Christ. And I only have to say to you, if you have pain in one part of your body, your whole body is aware of that pain. If, if, you, uh, if you have disease in one part of your body, the whole body is affected by that disease. You've only got to have a stomach upset and you're rendered virtually powerless at least for a few hours until things get sorted out. Uh, You only have to have a disability in one part of your body, and the whole of the rest of your body has to compensate for that disability. So every believer has a tremendous responsibility, first and foremost to God, to be the person that God has called him or her to be but then also a responsibility to the whole body of Christ, uh, especially the local expression of that body to which he or she belongs. And I suppose we would have to say, Julia, that the problem is this individualistic attitude that exists among so many Christians that comes out of personal self-concern, rather than seeing that we have been called to lay down our lives for one another, that the, the new command that Jesus gave to his church is that we are to love one another as he has loved us. Where that love exists, we're living for one another and not living selfish, independent lives where we're simply concerned about our own welfare and blessing.